And you're very welcome along to a Friday episode of the Huddle Breakdown. As you know, may notice, the host of the podcast today does not have an American twang because I'm back. I've kicked James out of the hosting seat for the Friday afternoon, Friday evening podcast of the Huddle Breakdown. And I'm come, I'm coming back to, to wreck shit up, you know. Uh, Alan, you've had free reign for far too long. James, I've let you go off on too many tangents about... Uh, American sports and philosophy and art and stuff like that. So I've come back to bring the, the the people's podcast back to the people. That's what I'm doing today on the Huddle Breakdown. Um, there's a lot to get into. This is the first weekend of football in a long time in Scotland that both teams at the top of the table are level on points. Rangers leveling it up on the table during the week. So Celtic go into this top of the table on 61 points, but Rangers are joint top on 61 points. They play on Sunday. Celtic play tomorrow against Kilmarnock. On today's podcast, we're going to be looking ahead to that part that match, and we're also going to be looking at uh, some of the stuff that was said in today's press conference by Brendan Rodgers. So, Alan, James, how are you? Long time no see. <laughs> I, well, apparently I got to work on my twang. I mean, I, I'm I'm from Pennsylvania, but that's not a twang, man. I tell you, you, that disappoints me with all your linguistic talent that you've displayed over the years to to misrepresent my my accent is just I take a personal affront to that. Well, apparently I'm the positive one on this podcast because I, I, we got a message saying I really hope End is back soon because you two are too negative. So. I'm the glowing representative of Celtic Football Club apparently on this podcast, which is great to hear. It's great to hear you're not uh, constantly the negative bollocks on a podcast of three for the last number of years. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes the truth is negative. That's the harsh reality of Celtic Football Club the last couple of years. Um, It's not personal. Absolutely. Right, so we'll kick into stuff. Celtic are playing Kilmarnock tomorrow. We'll get into the depth of that game in just one second, but Brendan Rodgers was speaking today uh, ahead of that game. He had a few interesting things to say. The main one, the big news, is that he said that it's a possibility that Lee Labada will leave the club, um, and he said it is due to personal issues because of what's going on in the world right now. It's not down to anything football related or his attitude, he is still training with the club. It's just that his mindset is just not there, which is understandable given, given what is going on in the world right now and uh, in relation to his country in particular. So we're not going to dive into the depth of Zionism and geopolitics on the show because that's not what we're about. We're going to talk about Lilabada in particular, the player Lilabada and what we're going to be losing. So I mean, Alan, Alan, I'll start with you. At the start of the season, we were very positive about what Abada could bring to the club, bring to a Brendan Rodgers team. It was almost like this was going to be another springboard season for him. He was going to you know, develop even further to what he was in, in the first place. He had fallen off a little bit under Ange Bossacoglu at the end of last season, but this season was going to be another big season for him. And it just didn't turn out that way for a number of reasons, injury-wise, what's going on right now. And it, I guess it's just a disappointing sort of end to the Lila Bada story at Celtic because he was such a positive player for us over the last number of years. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, the beginning of the season, I think um, I remember doing some of these, you know, predict your player of the year or most improved player and all that kind of stuff. And um, I had Lila Bada being quite prominent in, in those lists. Um, I thought he'd be a sort of player, that the type of player that Brendan Rodgers would. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Would really like, and by all accounts, he, 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 he is, he is, was, is um, exactly a kind of Rogers player. But you know, firstly, like you say, injury put paid to him contributing really to much effect at the beginning of the season. Uh, and then, of course, you know the world has changed significantly uh, since then. You know, we all we all know the the terrible human tragedy that's unfolding um, in 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 the Middle East, uh, in, in in Palestine, etc. So um, that the world has changed. You know, Abada ultimately, whatever you might think, whatever your politics, whatever your views. You know, I see a young a young man, a young a young footballer, essentially. Um, you know, who, who's struggling to cope, probably under a lot of pressure uh, from all sides, um, both in terms of you know friends, family, um, and and other other people from back home, the club itself. Might I, I do need I do would like to say my understanding is the club have gone as far as they can in terms of you know supporting him as a as a young player. Um, I know we criticise them, especially around medical issues, uh, but I don't believe that's been that's that's that criticism would be worthy in this case. So it's very sad, um, it, you, but you must you know, as well feel for a young a young man. That's really the focus of this. There are many um, victims, horrendously uh, more unfortunate in, in this horrible conflict, but it does impact people across the globe in terms of you know your friends, family, relations, you know fellow country men women etc so you know it's not surprising he's in no f- mental fit state to play football which is what it sounds like is the case it doesn't sound like there's any sort of injury or attitude issues in terms of his commitment as a professional and it's just a very sad a sad end but probably inevitable given the way things are going but as i say i just look at it through the lens of in this case just a, a young man really struggling in a foreign land, because of, because of various external pressures, which you know he's probably got you know little little uh, control over, really. Mm. James Brennan Rogers was very uh, strong on the side of that. It this is a you know fr- a friends and family mental thing over football, um, but if you look at this, let's say just from a, a, a football perspective. Um, the last couple of weeks when Abada came back, he looked like he was still a really pretty exciting footballer who could do some damage on the football pitch. And given Celtic's current wing problems, I mean, this is nothing the club can do, really. I'm not criticizing the club when I say this, but this does further um, sort of hurt the 
the depth that Celtic have in the wing position. From a purely football perspective, he will be a loss, 100%. Assuming he could go back to the level that he was, I meaning that that's, you know, it's like a, uh, a Schrodinger's Abada. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it, it's, it, is, is he already kind of gone from a practical sense relative to the player that, um, you know, we thought, and I, I agree with Alan um, coming into the season that we had hoped that that his development would continue. I, I will say that there was a nuance to his arc at Celtic that was fascinating from an again from purely from an analytical perspective, which was I think he was a uh, almost like the ideal case study in trying to figure out how we attributed system dynamics under Ange Ball versus kind of idiosyncratic player talent and skill level and how much of his performance level that was, you know, again, Alan knows this by having looked at it enough uh, as I have almost at an insane level, right? The, 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 he's probably, you know, we joked, he's kind of like the anti Hitate in the sense that his actual performance relative to the narrative on him was completely flipped like in a weird, bizarre way. He, he was so productive in attack and such at a high quality, even on like an average basis, um, particularly given his obvious deficiencies as a footballer that were, you know, kind of self-evident. Uh, he's just this fascinating player and how much of that was going to translate given that what we've seen this season and really uh, the, on the margins, uh, the shift in style of play and how we've had a not small number of players struggle with some of that shift, um, maybe a, a slight decline or a, some decline in rigidity and in, in role. Um, so I was really fascinated to see how he would transition. And obviously because of the, uh, the injury timeline and then uh, what's been going on since October, I mean, it's just, you know, it's just unfortunate three-dimensionally uh, that we're, we may never get, a, you know, kind of answers to that, that question. Um, but yeah, so from a depth perspective, I mean, functionally, he hasn't been there all season. I mean, that's, so it's, it's, it's almost like a, you know, an alternate reality. <laughs> uh, so we were hoping that he would come back. We were hoping that, uh, that this transition and his development arc would continue. Um, and I thought there was a lot of you know, reasonable expectation as to why that would happen. And it's just, it looks like now that's not going to happen. And now, you know, that, where does that leave us? Well, it leaves us back to the Yang, Kuhn, Maeda, uh, Palma paradigm at wing. And that this goes back to this, a lot of the stuff that Alan and I have been discussing a lot. And we once again, revisited in your um, irresponsible absence once again, earlier this week. And, uh, uh, about the the issues with the wing play, but um, so yeah, th- not good news. But again, I, I don't think on the margin a game changer because I don't think he was really coming back anyway. It looked like you know this has kind of been baked in the cake for weeks now. There's mm. even rumors and talks that you know he was going to be gone in the January window. So um, yeah, so 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 really bad three dimensionally on a personal human level, all kinds of perspectives and then but from a footballing perspective i don't think it's that impactful as like a change um yeah from where yeah. we probably were in the last three months mm. yeah it's it's probably a good thing that i haven't been on the podcast the last number of weeks to maintain my reputation as the positive one on the podcast because 
My God, did I have some thoughts on uh, the wing play in the last number of weeks. <laughs> um, Brendan Rodgers was also asked about the situation with the table uh, today. So as I mentioned in the intro, it is the first weekend in a number of weekends, months actually, that Celtic and Rangers are level. That is a result of Celtic dropping points and Rangers just doing what they needed to do over the last number of weeks. Um, and Rogers, he, he was asked about like dropping seven points and he, he kind of batted that away. He said that, well, it's in reality, it, it wasn't really seven points because with the games to play, it was always really five points. So they've, Celtic have dropped five points. He said that in any other league, um, you would say that Celtic's form is actually really good, but the difference is this this is a very special league. In, in this case, there are two teams, and if one team is doing badly, the other team is doing well, then the likely, likelihood is that they're going to catch up at some point. And then he was asked about the perspective, which I thought was the most interesting answer off them all because it was the most feisty response that you got from Rodgers um, and you have, and we have seen from Rogers in the last number of months. He was asked about the perspective of his managerial career since he returned to Celtic, the perspective of how the club has been playing, the teams, the team has been playing, um, and some of the results that have come, have come his way. And his response was essentially, "I don't, I don't give a damn what the perspective is." So he's not listening, or at least he says he's not listening to what's written in the media. Um, and he's essentially just saying that people are going to write that regardless of how uh, how well or otherwise Celtic are doing. So I thought that was I thought that was pretty interesting, Alan. I mean, one of the things that I, I recall from the Ange uh, couple of years, and it sticks in my memory as a real defining moment of where you saw the mentality of the players, and that was the Tom Rogic interview, where he was talking about. Celtic being on top, Celtic have been on top. We're currently on top, and we know how to close out. Uh, we know how to close out the league. We know how to chase them, and we know how to keep them at bay. Is there anybody at the club right now, other than Callum McGregor, that has that mentality that you can see? Um, I mean, you, you, that's a double-edged sword uh, because there are, you know, there's. There's, there's probably a core of players like you know Anthony Ralston, Callum McGregor, who you know Celtic through and through, been their boy, boy and man, who um, understand uh, explicitly what what's involved. And then there, and then there's a majority of players that are kind of passing through, if you like, who um, probably get it to an extent. But you know, once they've won a treble, how many more trebles do they really feel they need to win to? To, to prove a point from their own personal career perspective, and so and so that's why I'm saying it's a double-edged sword. To some, in some extent, you know, if you've got some new players in who haven't been through this experience, um, that's not necessarily a bad thing. You don't want too many people who they're really not not that bothered if they don't win another double or another treble because they've already got two or three in their pocket, and it's not really what gets them gets them going in the morning. Um, versus those that are hungry to, to to prove themselves and to to win medals and win trophies that they haven't won before. So we've certainly got a lot of young younger players and a lot of new players to this, and we have got a core of players who have been through it. Who's who's I would say you know the likes of McGregor, I would say Joe Hart, Carter Vickers, Kyogo. None of those players, I don't think any of us would ever question 
their um, commitment, their desire, all those kind of intangible attributes in terms of, you know, busting every sinew to win on the park, even though you've already got a, a bag full of medals. So I think we've got a, a spine of players that have been through that. And obviously Rogers has himself. Um, what's interesting is that, you know, Clement has, has been successful. He's won uh, league titles uh, where he's been also. So he's and he's he's spoken quite bullishly, uh, as as is his wont, about about that. Um, but the players in the main haven't, uh, and you know that's going to be the interesting challenge I think for them. You know the, the, there was a huge effort went in on Wednesday night. I mean, seventy eight shots at goal, whatever it was against Ross County and what have you. Um, and you know if you if you if you base your analysis in terms of the the, the relative position of the two teams on the daily record. Then of course you know they're going to win the league by about twenty points because we've collapsed and, and all that rubbish, right? If you if you base your analysis on the data, as James and James has been saying for quite some time now, it's it's more of a a coin flip really. Um, I would still say Celtic are slightly ahead on most metric, a lot of key metrics, um, but it's too close, you know, for anyone to be comfortable. And then you've got to add in. The uh, as as James uh, I think well, as you alluded to uh, Enda, which is the nature of the league, which is irrespective of how poorly um, either team plays, it's highly unlikely either are going to drop any points because of the the lack of depth of quality in the, in the league as a whole, and therefore when you talk about unbeaten runs and winning fifteen out of sixteen matches or whatever the hell it is, I mean to be honest with you, you know Beale had much the same record as Clement, right? He really did at the beginning. He really did, and and that wasn't necessarily as we saw uh, a commentary on his managerial skill. It was more commentary on the the lack of depth in the in the league. So unfortunately, it's going to come down to these crunch, these key games, and it's and uh, it, it it won't be so much a question of of hunger, more a question of the, how do the how you know which club has got the players. That can navigate their way through those sticky, those sticky moments, those mentally difficult moments in games that you will have. You know, you will have. I mean, mm. the draw at Aberdeen on a in a howling gale that was that was one such moment. Celtic slipped up a little bit, but you know, in, in years gone by, that would actually would have been saying it was good they got away with a point, given the circumstances, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, isn't they? I know they they've been racking up some stats against uh, Ross County, but they haven't been. They haven't really been stat padding in a lot of their wins. A lot of their wins have been actually quite squeaky uh, and well within the the, measure, the the realms of could have gone either way in terms of you know, that XG differential that we talk about. So uh, I certainly wouldn't be panicking. I certainly wouldn't be overly worried. And it's certainly fascinating to see which squad of players, as you say, have got that little bit of mental fortitude to really navigate mm. those, those difficult moments. Well, you know I'm back because I'm going to throw in a little Premier League analogy here that everyone just loves so much. But um, like Alex Ferguson once said about uh, how to build a winning team that you're never going to get 11 players to play or be mentally there every single week. But you do need seven, at least seven throughout the team that are going to be there throughout each week that you know you're going to get a certain level of performance from a certain level of mentality. It might be a different seven one week from another, but as long as you had around about seven or eight players, you would be pretty confident in getting the job done. Now, if you look at Celtic's team right now, you can name Matt O'Reilly, Cal McGregor, 
Kyogo to a certain extent. And then outside of that, it's a coin flip of what level of performance are you going to get from, say, Joe Hart? Or what level of performance is Stephen Welsh going to put on? Uh, what is, what Burnaby is going to turn up? Is it going to be the headless chicken or is it going to be the, the good Burnaby? Are we going to get some some nice curling efforts into the top corner from Palma or is he going to leave every uh, cross about 10 yards long? Like I, For me, James, in, the, in terms of the level of performance, it's too helter-skelter with Celtic in terms of who can we trust to put in the exact same level of performance from one week to another? And again, that it sort of is the same players that you would say have the mentality um, that you can trust to put in the level of performance. It's the more experienced players at the club. Uh, the others for me are too... I don't know what this looks like in the data. I could be completely wrong in this, but that's sort of where I look at Celtic now and you just don't know what level of performance you're going to get from most of the team. I said to Alan on Tuesday that I was heartened by Rogers becoming a bit more, uh, let's call it adversarial or kind of overtly uh, combative in, in, you know, us against them kind of uh, posture. And I think that's a smart leadership strategy relative to trying to get everyone kind of uh, rowing in the same direction uh, internally with, you know, staff and players. Uh, I also said to Alan that I, my worry on that would be uh, the potential for believing all of it <laughs> um, in a kind of universalist perspective. And I, so, I mean, obviously relative to the media in Scotland and particularly in Glasgow, I mean, a huge amount of it's tabloid garbage, clickbait, all of that kind of stuff. So for him to, you know, say something like, I don't really care, um, but, you know, the idea that we've won eight out of nine games, uh, you know, is obviously self-evident. But as Alan and I have been talking about, there are legitimate underlying concerns within that period. I mean, if you look and we've talked about what's been going on in the decline in chance creation from open play. And that, that is, you know, that's really something since November that has become problematic uh, and a lot of it has been driven when we've had more success. It's been driven, uh, I would argue, uh, by opposition managers being really dumb with their tactics and making it on a margin easier for us uh, to create chances like not marking Callum McGregor uh, over the weekend that we talked quite a bit about on Tuesday. So, you know, as, as long as – because the, the risk you have is – and this is my view is like we saw in the 2021 season is you get a bunkering mentality and then you get confirmation bias, which is uh, rather than making some changes that probably are required and, and uh, you know, smart, you, you end up going back to your priors and you end up going with what's comfortable and um, you know, being more averse to change. And, and I, I think that's, you know, conversation now and I've had relative to width and narrowness and all that kind of, so that's my concern is that if that, if that kind of bunkering manifests in, you know, uh, an unwillingness to, to, to do some uh, changes that might be productive uh, or required. And, and again, I want to, I want to go back to 
I don't want to get bogged down too much in the qualitative stuff because, you know, I, that, that's such a, a vast area of just esoteric discussion. Um, you know, I, the, the reality is, and I've, you know, in looking at, the, I, I think there's only one, maybe two. So Joe Hart may have been involved in a, a relatively close title race in his much younger years. But the reality is Cal McGregor's never been in a close title race. Uh, as a prominent player, let alone a captain. Um, uh, uh, Clement's never been um, down to the wire. I mean, if you look at the leagues he won in Belgium, his teams won by, I think it, the minimum was six points. And his second two, I think, were like 10 and 15 type points. Uh, Rogers had one at Liverpool, and that didn't go great. Um, other than that, so our titles have basically been very comfortable, large, you know, we, we didn't go into the last post split period with severe jeopardy where every single play, every single goal, every single match is, you know, it's like your hair's on fire. Um, and certainly that wasn't the case in the 2021 season (laughs) that, that was over by, you know, February pretty much, uh, in the wrong direction, unfortunately. But so I, I just don't, I kind of reject the whole, idea um that players know how to win know how to do all this stuff i mean i I think that's part of this misattribution of celtic having been dominant for a decade uh and the reasons why we've been dominant domestically are not because born leaders and all this other stuff it's because you know we're about to play kilmarnock and talk about how we're about to play kilmarnock and kilmarnock has seven percent of our wage bill (laughs) seven seven right one fifteenth of what we have in money so that's the primary driver of all this and i know people get sick of me saying that kind of stuff but you know so i i I don't think we have any real sense and i'm not saying it's not important i'm just saying that cal mcgregor winning the league with brendan rogers where we had no real domestic competition in 2016 and 17 is not some proof of knowing how to win or having you know, mentality and all that stuff. We're going to find out who's got the mentality coming down in this league race. Um, I don't think the people at Rangers have been tested this way. I don't think any of our players have been tested this way. Uh, so it's a Petri dish and we'll find out, but I don't think there's a lot of, you know, a lot we can do analytically to try and uh, reasonably predict what that's going to be. And So this mm-hmm. is where I come back. This is where we're in this margin of, error variance stuff where we're going to find out and I don't have a lot of confidence that anything that's happened in the past gives us, you know, an, an edge necessarily in, in that regard. Told you I'm the positive one of this podcast. I'm supposed well, to bring, not, that's not a negative. You, you guys, you guys, you guys bring the stats and the reality. I bring the vibes. That's, that's my job. Yeah, I, I'm not saying always has been. I'm not saying we don't. What I'm saying is that there's no, I don't think there's any reasonable basis to think that we have a significant advantage there relative to some of these other things that can just go wacky mm-hmm. refereeing a ball bounces <laughs> three inches different than it might've I, I, I'll give you again. I know a lot of our listeners and viewers don't pay attention to Rangers that much. Um, and, and, and I do for analytical reasons, they had over four XG uh, in their game against Ross County in a three, one win, by the way, that um, 
they had over five in post shot XG for the game. Okay. The game was still in doubt until the third goal, you know, well into the game. Uh, and they had something like 46 shots, like crazy. So they could have had a draw in that game and a different. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Different scenario, like the, the Ross County keeper stood on his, on his head, had a great game, <laughs> giving up three goals on a barrage of 46 shots, 20 some, you know, on, on, uh, on target. So this is what we're talking about. Fine margins in a title race when you theoretically can drop points when you have five post-shot XG and actually play a dom- you know, a dominant game at home against a team that might get relegated. So when you have 13 games left, that's the kind of crazy variance that we're talking about that can happen. Um, and that's why when we talk about stacking of risks and fine margins, that's all within that context. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the game then. Celtic take on Kilmarnock tomorrow. Um, Alan, again, there might be some overlap in the conversation because I missed the last couple of podcasts, but in terms of the way that Celtic were playing and have lined out, do you expect a similar level or a similar type of team from Brendan Rodgers this weekend in terms of, from what I could see, Kyogo dropping further deep into an almost 
free number 10 role slash supporting the striker role with with Ida stretching the defense and and trying to uh, make runs runs behind um we'll start with the attack because the defense is another uh, conversation altogether but in terms of that sort of uh, pairing up front and the the way that we we go at teams well i mean based on again the performance data and as i say <laughs> This is what we do focus on, and the team that performs better between now and the end of the season will probably win the league, but it will get misattributed as bottle and mentality <laughs> and all that. It will get mislabeled as that, when actually I... it will be do- down to who can put out the most coherent, you know, consistent um, attacking and defensive uh, you know, shapes and, and, and execute on it. And even then, as James has said, you might hit five XG and still not win. That is possible. I mean, just to give put sorry, just to put that in, into perspective is that Celtic virtually never never win. If, if you get over one and a half to two XG more than Celtic, Celtic like in my records virtually never win. So <laughs> you know, but anyway, these things do happen. But in terms of you know the, the game at the weekend and back to your question is, I mean, come on, I would still say it's. Kilmarnock have got, have got a decent shout for being, by the numbers, by the by the underlying performance data, the third best team in the league this season, right? Even Hearts, Hearts have had, having a great season, a great run, but they're they're hugely outperforming their underlying performance data, and they continue to do so. Uh, Kilmarnock kind of underperforming, under sorry, overperforming. Kilmarnock is slightly underperforming. There is mainly in attack. They're just not getting the goals, and I think they brought in Van Veen to try and. Uh, Address that, which is a smart move. I mean, the guy's a proven entity at this level, and in fact, he's one of the best players outside the top two uh, last season for sure. Um, and he's not yet quite sort of settled in. I think he's had a couple of substitute appearances, so they're they're, they're a slightly different proposition even to St. Mirren. A little a slight shift up up, even on on Stephen Robinson's well well drilled and well um, well scouted squad. Um, and so, uh, you know, to your point, will we persist with the four-two-three-one? I'm, I'm thinking we may not, and the reason being is just how how uh, to use the modern or to use the common football vernacular, just how open Celtic were. Uh, now, care needed here because um, the context of the St Mirren game is really important, right? So Celtic scored quite early in both halves, and it was a cup tie. So St Mirren knew they had to go for it. They, they, you know, it wasn't like a league game where if they lose five nil, there's sort of psychological damage for the, going into the next league game. This was like a cup game, you know, had to win type of thing. So they they were pretty bold and pretty forward thinking. So um, they weren't bunkered in. Um, so so all that context and game state of, of when the goals were scored is important. But you know, we 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 gave up the highest packing score. And this is pass packing that St Mirren have ever achieved against us in the time that I've collected records. So that's going back to seventeen eighteen season. Okay, uh, they created well over again, well over one xg. Now the differential was over two. Celtic created over three xg by my by my record. So it was a, still a, pretty much a two goal game. So let's be happy about that. But but the ease, relative ease, the relative ease with which St Mirren were able to get through the lines at Celtic, uh, I, I, and then up to what is, you know, pretty much a B-team uh, team back four, right, um, would be a, a concern to me. Now, whether it's a concern to Rodgers enough to change the shape and, and stick another midfielder back in 
we'll have to see because then we'll be back to some of the other issues that we've had, especially if it's Bernardo, then you've got probably two players that are not really, two players out your front five that are not really going to create anything for you. So then it becomes a massive, um, well, three, because Kyogo, <laughs> if he was the striker, he wouldn't create much. So you're really completely reliant on O'Reilly and Palmer to create anything for you. A Palmer, as we know, it's feast or famine, right? It's, it's either brilliant or it's awful. And O'Reilly, you know, is has, he, he, he does a multitude of jobs, not just on the creative side. He's covering McGregor, he's defending, etc. So again, he's just in a bad situation creatively. So this is the balance that he must reach in terms of getting enough attacking players on the pitch such that we don't have that dependency on O'Reilly on or, or, or which version of Palmer turns up um, versus not being so open that, um, you know, against a team who are probably, as I say, arguably, and it is arguable, arguably the third best team in the league. Yeah, it sort of like theoretically, I can understand that there's two ways of looking at this. Firstly, I want to say about Adamita that at least now I can see why they brought him to the club because I was incredibly harsh on him as a player. But at least now that I see that there might have actually been some logic behind bringing him to the club that one of his strengths is running and stretching and harrying defences. And that is what he's being used for. It's actually a pleasant, it's pleasantly surprising to see the a player being being used in the function that he's good at. Uh, first and foremost, we have we've got we've got Maeda that can play that exact job, do that exact job. Uh, he can and he can. I would I would as as much as I don't think it is not that great on the ball. He's better on the ball than Maeda is, <laughs> um, and he's better in the air than Maeda is. But uh, it, I, theoretically, I can see how that works because. Like you could say it's sort of leaving Celtic open to have that many attacking players to not have cover for Cal McGregor that but on the flip side of that you could say, well, Celtic are a possession dominant team. So having someone like Cal McGregor in midfield with Matt O'Reilly, who's also good on the ball with Kyogo now getting involved in the game giving the wingers more space to operate in with a, an option up front now to get beh- get in behind. That is the positive side of when this formation works and when it works well. So when it clicks, it could be good. But James, it does slightly remind me of 2021 where Scott Brown was left completely exposed in the midfield because we were playing Ryan Christie as a number eight in the sort of role that Matt O'Reilly is playing with a, an attacking midfielder as a, the third midfielder and then suddenly teams on the counter-attack tear us apart. And that is becoming more evident when the back four looks like Anthony Ralston, Stephen Welsh, Liam Scales and Burnaby. So when it goes badly, this could, this could be a dangerous thing for Celtic, especially against teams that are good at counter-attacking. My guess is, I, I agree with Al, my guess is we'll go back to 4-3-3. And I, okay. and again, I, th- I think that... And is Ida dropped and Kyogo back in... That's the, my guess. That's okay. my guess. Uh, now, I could see uh, Ida in for Kyogo because of the profile of Kilmarnock, meaning that – so that this is when – I, when I look at the last 13 games, this one and then potentially uh, I would think we'll play at Kilmarnock post-split most likely. Um, those are the two games I probably worry about most other than – uh, the two derby matches and and maybe on the margin even more um particularly at Kilmarnock and and you know as we as always jokes you know styles make fights 
and the old saying from boxing. And my concern is going into this game is that their style on a relative basis, again, that's the key. You know, we're, we're still overwhelming favorites. We're still likely, more likely than not, to win by multiple goals. But if you look at their formula and how they play, the personnel they have, um, I think they match up very well against us. They, they touch upon some of the areas of concern that uh, I have and that I think Alan has expressed in recent weeks and months. Um, and so I, I, that's the concern. And one of those that could theoretically be ameliorated would be Ida in for uh, Kyogo, mostly just because of set pieces and size and, um, you know, the, the potential for this to devolve from an attacking perspective into crosses into the box <laughs> from our perspective, right? Because they're not, they're unlikely to be doing what Ross County did recently. You know, Alan, Alan and I have talked about the, uh, you know, the potential for our relative perceived weakness, uh, some of these narratives that Rogers is pushing back against to manifest in opposition being more aggressive and coming at us a little bit. I suspect that's unlikely to be what McKinnis does. Could happen, but particularly at Celtic Park, I think there he's more likely to be narrow, more defensive within the context of his man-marking system um, and go long. At the same time, press us well into our own third. So their 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 kind of blueprint, the way they've played this season, is what I've talked about in my concern that opposition are kind of figuring out against us, which is you do some ambush, high press, maybe do some counter pressing um, in in our defensive third and Celtics' defensive third, their attacking third, and then when that doesn't result in a chance, then you sprint back and get organized and protect your own box. And where we've had more success is when teams are kind of in that mid uh, section, they're, they're not sprinting all the way back and getting in that nice defensive shape and protecting within, let's say 25 yards of their goal. Uh, and that creates space for us to operate. I suspect Gomarnik is going to be more um, deeper in how they align and so that is concerning for me. Um, the second part is they've had a, one of the better keepers in the league this season. He's a young keeper. He's a relatively athletic keeper. Um, and that, that's, that's been another component here within our success in our run is that, you know, we've, we've had a more normal experience with opposition keeper play, but when they've been bad, they've been really bad. Like, Mm-hmm. Uh, Ross County's was recently, and that's helped us score. You know, uh, some some goals. We've had some deflections, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, he not to say he can't have a horrible game. He might. Let's hope so. But he's been pretty decent this season. Um, and then the last one is on set pieces. They, you know, they've got a lot of size, and that continues to be an issue. That you know, Vassal's basically like the striker version of uh, Carter Vickers. <laughs> you know, he's like a a brick freight train. Um, and you know, that, that creates some physical challenges and marking some of these guys, you know, I, I don't think Vassal versus Welsh or Scales is a fair fight physically. <laughs> um, I mean, the guy's just, you know, he could be a, a weightlifter. Um, he's built like that. So, and not to say that he's good in the air or good finisher. He hasn't been, but 
you know, as far as like getting it in the mixer and having some chaos in our box, that, that concerns me. Um, so that's, like that, that's like, why I'm, yeah. Yeah. sorry, James, it's, it's like we said on Tuesday, it's, it doesn't even have to win the ball. No. He just has to disrupt scales Welsh enough that you force a throw in. And then from the next one, you force a corner. And it, that's how it goes. That's how it works. That's how the pressure builds. That's what the lack of a, a dominant centre-half that Celtic haven't got, right? You know, yeah. neither Welsh or skills are. They might win. They, you might say, right, oh, they win 80% of headers. Right, but where does the ball go? Who gets mm-hmm. possession well, from that? You know, I'm, I'm going to do something I never thought I'd do. I'm going to criticise Liam Scales here. Um, as the shock of the century for the podcast. But one thing that, like like you say, Alan, is that in the air, I don't think Liam Scales is that bad, really. But I think he's easily maneuvered in the air in that he's going to win the header. He does win the header, but a slight nudge on him and that ball is going either out for a throw or it's going to the opposition. I do think he's very easily maneuvered in the air. And that that's what Ariel Jill is about. That's why it's such a a weird thing to measure the success rate because you're, yeah, you're successful if you win the ball, but you know, it's like, uh, it's like a block, a block is a block, but if the block falls to a player and he bangs it into the back of the net, what does that matter? You know? So there well, is that it, issue. It, 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 I mean, he's got, he's got two issues. I mean, that that's one. And he, he, he underperforms for his size. He's not as physically, he doesn't dominate physically the opposition player that he should do for the size that he is. Um, and some of that is just what I call physical intelligence. I mean, if you look at, you know, media darling Lauren Shanklin, for example, he uses he's somebody who uses his body really intelligently. He can man- and Mark Artificers, you know, we, we know he he manoeuvres players out of the way, and therefore mm. gets leverage that way. Scales hasn't learnt yet any of that, uh, or, or very rarely shows that. And the other thing that Scales does is he he, he loses concentration. And 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 with Kilmarnock, there's no team in the league. In fact, they play the second most number of long balls as a percentage of all their passes in the league after Livingston. And the second thing is they play the second least number of passes in their own half of any club, i.e. they don't fanny about with it. In the, they're they're, they're going to get it and they're going to bang it and they're going to bang it early. And and there was a couple of horror moments we've seen in games where you sort of think, well, surely we're, we're, we've got a back four in space, but Burnaby's up here, Scales has a momentary little snooze and suddenly it's one-on-one at the back. That is a real danger at the moment with mm. Celtic. And the way that Kilmarnock play, they'll look to kind of... Um, maximize that for sure based on based on just the, the style of play that they have so yeah yeah these, these well, are the concerns, it, I think. I, I, I'll throw in a couple of more um, things that are causing me some anxiety so f- first of all is that when we played them at home earlier in the season we had both Hatate and Carter Vickers so that was a is it was a different matchup than what we're likely to face um, uh, this weekend they did not have Van Veen and I, to Alan's point, I, he is a um, he, he's one of those special kind of players where he does have that ability to have a magic moment, right? He, he's almost like a Tom Rogic, a poor man's Tom Rogic in the SPFL. Uh, I think in, in, in that regard, um, you know, he can be very creative at times. He's, he's quite slow, and you know, no one's ever going to um, have him run away from from them, most likely, but. You know, he, he can kind of have those moments of magic. And um, the the last thing I'll throw in is that they have Armstrong and that he's erratic at times, but he's pretty good on dead ball deliveries and he's fast as hell. <laughs> um, and that's not something that we always face. 
those those kind of kind of mixtures. And then you know they have some decent SPFL guys like Watkins and you know Vassal, like I said. And 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 to Alan's point, they're not going to pretend they're anything other than what they are. They're going to take long throws. You know, they're they're not going to um, you know dilly about with the ball at the back, most likely. <laughs> Right, so they're 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 going to get it forward and go for second balls, and you know they got guys like Donnelly who, you know, throw themselves around. They're going to be very physical. I mean, this is again, this is a McKinnis managed team. Um, now, with all of that being said, like again, I'm not none of this is to be pessimistic. It's that on the range of probabilities, when I line up with the remaining games, this is one of the ones you know at hearts, right? So that you kind of line them up. There's a cluster. That, other than the, the two against Rangers where you say, okay, the greater likelihood of us encountering a problem, if the, their keeper has a big day, if we have an error, if there's a, you know, a, a penalty against one of our players, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so I, I'd say this is the, one of the games that I'm more worried about for all of the reasons that I've, that I've laid out. Hmm. So before we finish up, I just want to, Check one thing. So when you say Kilmarnock, the way that they play, do you say they press higher than normal or they sit deeper yeah. than normal? They're not overly aggressive, but so they basically will do some high pressing and they'll mm-hmm. be aggressive in it and they'll do some counter pressing high. Mm-hmm. They don't do much pressing other than that. So they, okay. they, bas- they basically, you know, throw their haymakers when when it's opportunistic for them and then get the hell back. Okay, they're, they're not a high press team in the sense of like doing it all over the pitch. Like I, like I watched uh, Bodo Glimt and and Ajax yesterday, <laughs> right? You know, Bodo Bodo Glimt presses all over the pitch, like nonstop everywhere. You know, you get that kind of Red Bull, you know, the, the way Liverpool was four or five years ago, right? You get certain types of play where you know it's it's press 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 all the time. They're not like that. They're more opportunistically pressing. And again, okay, that's what I worry about more from our perspective. Um, so in in that case, would we not be better sticking with a four two three one to have the extra ball player in midfield, the extra option up front as a physical route, and the extra Kyogo in in the game rather than not in the game at all unless he's getting the ball in the box? Yeah, I, it, it, it's it's. Um, I I don't think there's a good answer to that. I mean, that there's vulnerabilities. That's going to, as Alan said, that's going to open us up to midfield being more wide open, um, more likely. And again, they have enough quality uh, of players that they can punish us more probably than a St. Marin can, uh, particularly in the final third uh, with guys like Armstrong and Van Veen uh, and, you know, uh, Watkins. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not disagreeing. What I'm saying is that it's kind of choose your vulnerability. Um, and, you know, so I, I think there's reasonable arguments to be made. I think, I suspect my guess is that Rogers will go through four, three, three, but I think there's a reasonable case to be made, you know, either way. Yeah. Look, this is probably why I'm not a manager here, Alan, but, um, in, in my opinion, uh, this is where the mentality side of the game comes in, in that Celtic shouldn't be worried about Kilmarnock. 
in my opinion. I know that sounds that sounds hubris, that sounds arrogant. I don't mean to disrespect the quality the Kilmarnock do have, but what I'm saying is Celtic are at home against the fourth best team. Like you're saying, James, before they have a 7% uh, of Celtic's wage bill, Celtic shouldn't be changing their setup to go for a less dominant style just in case Kilmarnock are able to hurt us on the counter-attack. I don't know. That's fair. And and listen, if you look at the data, you know, even like basic expected goals, um, Kilmarnock are in a part of that chart very close to Hearts, Motherwell, and St Mirren, miles away from the top two, right? So that's you know, there's a huge gulf there, even even on this year's version of Celtic. So, but but they are probably you know, arguably as I say, the best the best of the rest. And some of the joy that Celtic had last week um, on transition against St Mirren was because of the, the relative shapes of the team. So Celtic did have effectively four forwards. St Mirren generally were playing three at the back. And now the two wing backs did did fall back to make a five. But um, you know, they were trying to press on as much as they could. Whereas with Kilmarnock, um and Celtic got a lot of joy in transition really last week. That was one of the key the key reasons that Celtic won the game. Um, whereas Kilmarnock, their back four will not hardly venture over the back over the halfway line. And then if they're playing a, a central midfield of the likes of Polworth or Donnelly, these are not mobile players, right? They're not going to venture too far from a shape in their shape. So they're probably going to have more or less at all times six players. So transitioning against that is, is not so easy, not so straightforward. Um, and that's why you just need to think about what is the best way to break them down whilst, you know, looking at how they, they're going to play and uh, and balance and balancing that to, to some extent. But as you know, we are as I say, we are at the stage now where there are there are no perfect answers here, just because of the quality of the squad and the, the options that, that there are available. There's no there's no right answers. All I'm trying to do is just point out some of the specific considerations for this game for this opponent. Not to be pessimistic, but you know we're, we're part of our, our role here as James and I is to help identify risk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I will say a potential um, significant positive would be if Taylor does come back in. Uh, it sounds like he's available for selection potentially. Yeah. So whether he's up for starting and playing 60 minutes or, you know, being a sub, but if, to your point, Enda, if we do play four, three, three, you know, he had been inverting a little more, he would help him build up theoretically. Um, I would, be more comfortable with him in that role uh, relative to Bernabe in, in combating that high press. Um, now, again, I, I don't, I, I don't want people to come across or come away from this thinking that, you know, Kilmarnock are going to be some incredible pressing force and it's on the margin, right? They're, they're not going to play completely bunkered. Um, you know, like Livingston did the last time where, when, uh, you know, they had a back six, a flat back six, yeah. and and basically didn't go past like twenty five yards. Um, I don't, I don't think we're going to see that. Is kind of what I'm saying. And, and and so on the margin, you know, if if they're gonna, I, again, I just not only because of I think on a on a relative basis, McInnes is, you know, one of the better managers in the league, but he's also a man marking guy. So they're probably going to man mark McGregor when they do that. Something that Robinson didn't do. Uh, so. There again, you have. Uh, I think Taylor would help combat that more so than than um, Bernabe. Yeah, and but Bernabe has been so solid. You don't want his consistency and performance against Armstrong, no? You don't want 
You don't want someone who you, you can rely on to be in the exact position you want them to be in when they're the fastest right winger in the league going at him. No. I tell you that. Things. If I, if I, he's, he's too many things. He's, like, <laughs> he's so many. He's so many things all at the same time. But the one thing he is not is solid. <laughs> yeah, he's like that. Uh, the Oscar movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, isn't it? Uh, if, if, if I were a neutral, I'd be rooting for Bernabe versus Armstrong. That would be the. Most <laughs> I'd, I'd want to be seeing uh, for entertainment purposes, but um, but yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I think uh, I think that's where we'll leave the show off for this Friday evening. Hopefully, you're enjoying this, maybe with a a beer or two. You're watching it on the TV. If you're watching it on YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe, hit the like button, and leave a comment as well. If you're listening to some podcasts, uh, you can leave us a review if you haven't done so already, and you'll catch our review of this show next week. I don't know if I'll be there. Who knows? I'm going to be like Burnaby. You just don't know if I'm going to turn up or not. That's that's uh, that's where I'm going to leave the leave the show for this week. Alan, James, thanks as always. All right, guys, have a good weekend. Cheers, and we should chat to you next week. Good luck. <laughs>